Kidney Trees, Lift Health for All is a podcast from the Center for Health Equity Transformation, gathering voices in research and communities around Chicago. Conversations and interviews will discuss the importance of achieving health equity, highlighting health disparities, and exploring innovative ways to improve health for all. On this episode of Skinny Trees Podcast, we have our guest host, Maxine Joseph. Maxine joined our team in February 2021 after graduating from UIC with a bachelor's in psychology and biology. He grew up in Nigeria and lived there for 14 years before coming to America to continue his education. He plans to get his PhD in clinical psychology to help societal minorities and members of the military understand and maintain their mental health as he was a senior airman in the USAF. He connected with our team while he was a research fellow with Chicago Czech and served as a mentor to our DHC students in a joint summer initiative. He has served on executive boards for student organizations, including his pre-health fraternity, Delta Epsilon Mu, and serves on health communities post-grad. He is passionate about motorsports and raising awareness about mental health. Today, Maxon speaks with two high school students who were accepted to the UIC Champions Network, empowering Chicago youth to become community leaders and creating pathways to health professions careers to advance health equity. Here's Maxon Joseph. Well, thank you so much, um, both of you, for coming and joining me for this conversation. Um, I'm joined today by Dabira and Dabira Alonga and Samuel Mendoza. I'm very excited to get to know you more and um, learn more about your experiences. Um, Samuel is a sophomore at Jones College Prep. He's 16 years old and the youngest of his family. And he is studying to become a nutritionist or a pharmacist. And Dabira is a 17-year-old who currently attends Sullivan High School and is currently a member of the UIC Urban Health Club. Um, so thank you so much for, for being here, both of you. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Uh, so first of all, how have you both been doing during um, this quarantine, especially with transitioning to e-learning um, and you know just adjusting your schedules? Um, at the beginning of it, I think in March, in 2020, when they told us that we we're gonna have two weeks off, I thought it was like a blessing. But after it turned into like one month, it started to like, it started to get a little difficult to focus on homework and paying attention to school. Since I'm already in the environment where I basically have, or the environment where I have fun after school and stuff like that, it's pretty hard to really concentrate on lessons and things like that. Um, I really struggled throughout the the last semester for um, 2020, but I think afterwards I actually started to really get good at adapting to it. Um, by the by sophomore year, um, I was able to you know make a schedule. Um, I was able to like basically make a schedule and I was pretty good at handling time managing after a while. So I think from quarantine, it really gave me like a good experience. It really helped me grow um, personally, just trying to um, uh, manage myself and manage my free time and things like that. And how about you, Dabira? 
Uh, okay, so at the start, I was pretty okay with everything, honestly. I mean, the whole like pandemic thing wasn't fun. And the fact that, you know, we have a deadly virus wasn't fun. But at the same time, like I'm, I'm like a homebody, you know, I don't really, I don't really go out much or like interact too much with people. So it wasn't, it didn't hit me too hard. And I kind of like, I was with it for a while, but then, you know, like midway through, I was kind of like tired because being home all the time and like having to be on the computer, like hours, it's exhausting. It's really mentally, physically exhausting. And by then I was just tired of it. And now I'm, I'm over it. You know, <laughs> I'm ready for school to end. I'm ready to just be outside a little more because not being outside has done like, it's really kind of messed up my mental health a little bit, but I'm hanging in there. Yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely relate to both of your accounts of your time in the, in the pandemic um, or in quarantine, actually. Um, I think in the beginning, because I was in college when all of this happened, um, and in the beginning, I was like, wow, that's nice. We get like um, an extended spring break, essentially. Um, but then Samuel, like you said, Samuel, it just kept extending and kept extending. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? Um, but then also like the Bira, I'm also a homebody. So I was really enjoying myself, um, like being at home. And also I was fortunate to be able to work from home. So it also made that pretty nice to adjust to. But the longer it went, it was like, okay, when is this going to be over? I started checking my clock like every day. <laughs> Um, but I'm glad to hear that you've both been able to adjust um, so far. Um, I hope you've been able to adopt strategies to help with your mental health, like you said, Debira. So, okay, my next question. Can you tell me about the program that you participated in with um, UIC Champions? Is it UIC Champions or is it UI Health um, Champions Network? Um, it, it's a UIC um, Urban Health Club. So I think like the abbreviations would be like UHC, I think. It's it's like a, it's hosted by students from UIC and they often have like guest speakers come on who are in like um, other fields of health. Um, recently we had a nursing speaker come on um, to talk about um, like myth busting on COVID. 19 facts or or things like that uh, we got to learn about masks and things uh, how they actually um, help out um, stop spreading the, the virus um, yeah they often just have speakers talk about health related things they come from different lines of like or different fields and just talk on subjects and we often have like a lecture and they provide like a slideshow and and yeah do you want to add anything? Uh, so I've been in the program, like, this is my second year in the program now. And it's really, you know, informational, educational, like, I'm interested in being a healthcare worker. So it's really given me a lot of exposure to the various healthcare fields. And especially this year, we've learned a lot about, you know, COVID and like the vaccine and like, like Samuel said, mid busting. And we do get a lot of guest speakers, you know, we get like a lot of real world, like, people talking about real world things so it's it's really really eye-opening yeah i feel like the speakers really have um, exposed me to like um future jobs that I, or like future like fields that i really wanted to be involved in um i really i'm starting to think about uh, why actually i really want to do like um like 
something with epidemiology, things like that. I think it's like kind of cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, kind of cool. Um, yeah, I, it is nice to be exposed to other fields um, that I never knew about before. It's really cool. Um, it sounds it sounds familiar to a program that I was involved with as well called um, Chicago Tech, um, which is a research program for undergraduate students and I believe graduate students as well, um, where we had a bunch of guest speakers come and talk to us about the different professions that they're in, the different research fields that they're studying in. Um, and we also had to do a collaborative research project towards the end of the program. Um, and we had to make a presentation. So I'm glad to hear that you've been getting this um, healthcare exposure from the UHC program and to hear that you're considering these different healthcare fields. Um, Samuel, you said you're interested in going into epidemiology. Um, was there a reason why you wanted to go into that? It was largely because you know, the pandemic. Um, I felt, I, there was this news report a couple months back or maybe somewhere during the middle of quarantine in July, there was a, um, a kid around my age during that time that had volunteered to make like basically distribute or not distribute vaccines. I don't think that was happening then, but yeah, I don't know. There, there like, there was this um, person who was really like helping out the community he was in. And I thought that was really nice. And, um, uh, people that were like actually um, happy. Um, I, around that time, I think it was like um, a lot of infections were going on or a lot of uh, hospital rates were going up and it was, I think it was a pretty bad time. It was like during the summer and I just- Was it to get um, testing? Yeah, testing, I think it was, yeah. It was for testing. He mm-hmm. he had um he was volunteering for this program that went went around in, in the van to test people around the community and things like that and they actually got news coverage. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I think a lot of a lot of volunteer work at the time was focused towards testing, which helped to give um a better picture of how the vaccine was spreading and um you know the places to focus to be able to treat it properly. Um, so that's pretty cool that you're inspired by that. Um, it's it's glad to hear that these things actually work to help inspire other people, um, especially with programs like this. So I'm glad you got that exposure. Um, and Debrio, was there any? Have there been any um, professionals that have come to speak at the program? I know you're you're kind of a veteran now in that program. You've been there for two years. Um, so. What's your career interest? What um, professionals have sparked your interest in the career? Oh, okay. I'll be honest. I want to be a cardiothoracic surgeon, but I didn't get that from like the program. They haven't really had any, you know, cardiothoracic representation. But I mean, we have had. I think we had a cardiologist once, but we have. I mean, they, I think they have like limited resources because it's like we're in a pandemic. So yeah, but I've known that I wanted to be a cardiothoracic surgeon for a while now. So. That's pretty cool. Though. What what about um, I guess cardiothoracic surgery interests you? Like, how long have you known you wanted to go into that field of surgery, and what made you want to go into that field of surgery? Uh, okay, so the heart is my favorite organ. Like, I I read a lot about the heart. I'm kind of obsessed, but yeah, and I I tried to like maybe think maybe I wanted to go into cardiology or like something like just heart related, but I'm thinking maybe I should be more broad with my you know 
my career goals. I'm, I'm not like 100% sure I'm going to go into this, but it's like, it's something I, I'm, I'm passionate about for right now. So I'm thinking, yeah, cardiothoracic surgery. I mean, it sounds right for me and it feels right, you know. That's pretty cool. Um, I feel like you shouldn't doubt what it is that you want to go into, you know. Um, if you feel like cardiothoracic surgery is what works for you, I mean, you said you're kind of obsessed with the heart and I feel like if anyone needs to go into cardiothoracic surgery, it's the people that really care about fixing people's hearts. Um, so it sounds like you're really passionate about the field and I feel like if that's what you want to go into, you should continue chasing that as you go. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, so my next question, um, I learned that y'all have this vaccination program in your in your UHC program right now. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Um, I heard like there's a curriculum being developed from that and you guys are getting more exposure to learning about vaccines and um, treating or reducing the spread of COVID-19. So um, can someone tell me a little more about that? Uh, okay, so we're not exactly following a curriculum. I mean, we ha we're, we're kind of like being up to date on like information regarding the, the vaccine and the virus. I mean, and we have this thing like public health week, we had this time and we were like kind of talking about certain like aspects of like someone who's like in public health but we didn't really like we don't have like a curriculum exactly okay so you um you guys just get like regular updates on um like vaccine eligibility or something or um testing rates in chicago or something like that yeah and we also talk to like you know epidemiologists and like you know experts in the field and they give like their perspective on what's going on and we get to like ask questions about what we're curious about and you know just hear from like a better perspective, I guess. That's really cool. Um, and how have you enjoyed that so far? Well, for me, it's it's been educational for sure. I mean, I, I want to say I didn't enjoy it, but it's been educational. Um, it, the thing is, like, I kind of have been keeping up with the vaccine on my own. So the um the meetings are like a chance for me to like ask anything I'm curious about or like get things clarified and you know maybe le learn things that I might not have thought like to look like into. How about you, Samuel? Um, how have you, um, what has been the experience in the program so far? How have you enjoyed it? Well, for me, I don't really keep up on um, uh, vaccines on my own. So going to this program actually, like provides a lot of information for me. Um, like last week we had an uh, epidemiologist. Um, they, they actually, yeah, having her as a speaker had given me a lot of perspective of like what's the, the vaccine, um, what's in the vaccine and how it works and things like that. Um, I I would say like it's like very informational and I I do like it's fine. I find it really trustworthy because they are professionals in the field already. So I don't really I don't really have like a reason to like not believe in it and things like that. A lot of people are asking like, what, which vaccine did you get? Um, and which vaccine did you get? Because, you know, there's three different um, manufacturers of them. And people are like, the Pfizer vaccine is like the apple of the vaccinations. And if you didn't get Pfizer, if you didn't get Pfizer, it's like using an Android phone or something. Um, and what was your experience like getting um, vaccinated? I went through a drive-through um, site for my first dose, 
all the way in Gary, Indiana. Um, I I wasn't really expecting like oh like a big surprise or anything like that. Um, yeah, when I went there, it is what it is. It was um, a drive-through at a high school. They had tents lined up everywhere. It nothing looked like intimidating or anything like that. It was very very quick and very convenient. And for my second dose, I actually went to um, Daly Community College and went inside to get my second dose, and it was also very quick. How about you, Debira? Okay, so I walked into CVS, you know, confirmed my identity, and then I got like they told they told me to sit behind this blue screen, and then the nurse came over, and then she asked if I had any questions. She told me to like. I was having like kind of needle anxiety at that point. So I was like, no, I don't have any questions, you know? <laughs> and then she saw, I think she kind of like sensed the like anxiousness coming off me. So she was like, breathe in. And then she put the needle in and then it was quick. It was really quick. Like it was very like anticlimactic. I was all surprised by how like much it didn't hurt because a lot, some vaccines hurt a lot and it didn't hurt like at all. So yeah, it was a nice experience. Nice. Right, so I'm glad to hear that. I think the word that stood out to me from your account, Debira, was anticlimactic. Um, because I felt like that was the same way with my vaccine, where I got mine from UI Health um, at the UIC Pavilion. And the line was actually pretty short. Like, they were taking walk-ins, actually. And, you know, I mean, and like I said earlier, I have a fear of needles. So I was like, no, I don't want to do this, but I'm like, I have to do it. And I sat down with the lady and the nurse was actually so nice. And she was just chatting me up because I told her about my fear of vaccine. And she was just talking to me to distract me from the needle. And next thing you know, it was over with. And I was like, wait, is that it? I was expecting like, you know, some type of reaction or something, you know, to be like, whoa, I got my vaccine, <laughs> you know, with, um, with like how much it has been such a big deal to get it. Um, and like, that was it. I just had to sit there for 15 minutes after and I could leave like to make sure that I didn't have any adverse effects. And it was the same thing for the second one. The second one, actually, I just walked straight in. Like there was actually nobody there. And the lady even asked me if I knew anyone that wanted to get their vaccine, they can go there because they had like a surplus of them. Um, so. I'm really glad to hear the Bira that you had such a such a straightforward experience. My next question, did you all have any concerns about getting your vaccine before you got your vaccine? No, I didn't have any like concerns because I was like really educated on the vaccine before I got it. So I think that factored into why I didn't have any concerns. And also I've done a project on the vaccine. So I'm I feel like I know like a lot more than the average person. No, I didn't really have any um uh concerns about it uh, it was yeah like uh it was pretty straightforward um yeah i i thought actually the memes about it um on the internet were kind of like funny so uh, it would made me more like more um not optimistic but like more haha look vaccine superpowers or something around that time um when vaccines were just like uh, going out like everyone had like a lot of um like doubts and concerns um, a lot of the times when I was with like my family we always like say oh if something were happen if something were to happen that was like mildly inconvenient we would just say oh that's that's the vaccine right there and it's messing you up but 
it was, it was it was more like for laughs but you know have you heard anyone talk about like serious concerns that they have and this goes to you and the beer as well like what are some of the what are some of the serious concerns that you've heard people talk about as a reason for them to not get the vaccine around me i haven't really heard any like um any like serious doubts or concerns um i think initially we were like all like um pretty trusting of it um especially because we have like a like an elder one elderly in our family so anything to like um protect them we were like willing to do it um but now in hindsight i feel like i i guess it would have been like great or even better to like maybe have like maybe like looked it up on my own time and educate myself about it but i mean it's it is what it is now but and did you mean to educate yourself on the vaccines before you joined the UHC program um i didn't really think about like about it on my own but after joining the uh, UHC club it it really like helped me like understand a lot of things about it um i do have more like i guess more like motivation to like keep up with like vaccine development and um distribution and all that stuff cool and how about you debira um have you heard people talk about their concerns on getting the vaccines or what are some of the concerns that you've just heard people discuss about getting the vaccines that can stop them from getting the vaccine oh okay so i haven't i'll say i've heard but not heard like in real life like social media like people are concerned about like how like short of a time it took to get the vaccine and like you know usually vaccines take longer but the covid vaccine like took a shorter amount of time so people were like oh maybe they didn't do it right maybe they rushed things maybe something could have gone wrong so i i at the like like i hear that sometimes still like people are so concerned about how short of a time it took and i also hear i mean i see like there's a distrust of, of the vaccine in certain communities like certain POC communities specifically because you know it's like a government issued vaccine and i guess it's 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 hard for certain populations to trust like the government and you know you don't want to like be like the guinea pig as some people say um but other than that i guess there aren't that many you know i mean there are people who like spit out conspiracy theories and like oh they're trying to track us or something they're trying to put like um tracking in us or something it's like you know social media like people people get crazy <laughs> that is so funny um the when you talked about the conspiracies that could come up um but i think i have heard similar stories where you know people are worried about the effects of it um and worried about the timeline in the development of these vaccines you know especially with how quickly it was um but from your program have there been any information that was shared with you um that kind of talked about these concerns uh yeah definitely so um i found out through um uhc that the vaccine is like a, a different type of vaccine so it's an mrna vaccine meaning that they take the spike of um the virus and kind of inject it in you and then your body builds like antibodies to fight off the um to know like when like the vaccine and what it looks like so they can your body can kind of build a defense against the vaccine so when you do get infected you know your body will know what to look for and like what to fight 
so I, I learned that through UHC and I think that if people more people knew that maybe they'd be less like oh the vaccine is like dangerous or like oh the vaccine is like not effective and I think that also plays a factor into how like quick the development was because it's something like fairly new so maybe with new methods come like new or faster developments I guess and Samar, did you have anything that you wanted to add, add to that? Uh, no, actually, exactly what she said. Dabir, you mentioned the the way the vaccines are injected. So you meant the first one. Um, like, can you can you give us a breakdown of what like each dose is like? Um, I don't know if you guys covered that in your program, but if that's something that you have. Um, could you possibly share that with us? I mean, I don't, I'm not sure about the doses. What I, I honestly don't know why we need two doses. I, I'm guessing it's for like effectiveness. Maybe one dose isn't enough. You need like, your body needs like twice the amount. But all I know is that, you know, the they take a spike from the, vac from the virus and then, you know, it's not harmful or anything. It's just like they inject it in you so your body can like, see that oh this is what the virus looks like um this is a spike from the virus and, and then your body kind of builds like a defense because it knows that the um, spike doesn't belong there so if you do get um infected then your body kind of like sees the spike and is like oh no we don't that's not supposed to be here because usually like a virus can like invade your body and then it takes your body like a longer time to like build white um white blood cells to fight off the virus like that's what happened with like other viruses like the flu you know, and like we had a vaccine for the flu, but it took us a while to like, to make that. So with the COVID vaccine, it kind of like, it takes that one step forward and like your body sees the um, spike and is like, oh, this doesn't belong here. And then you have like white blood cells waiting for um, the virus if you do get infected. Wow, that is pretty cool. Um, thank you very much for sharing that, Debra. Um, And so my next question, um, is there any, have you, have y'all talked about the different um vaccine types that are out there um i know there have been some headlines about um I, I think it was six people had adverse effects to um one type of the vaccine have y'all talked about those at all we have talked about it like i mean we know that johnson and johnson is the one you were talking about with the um cases and there was like the cases of like the blood clots and like people were being like, oh, like Johnson and Johnson might like cause like fatal blood clots. So don't take it. But it was debunked. It wasn't actually like the like vaccine. It was like the people. But um, I think that the main differences are like Johnson and Johnson is one dose and Pfizer and Moderna are two doses. And right now Moderna is only for like 18 and up and Pfizer is for 12 and up. And I think there's like speculations on like the effectiveness like oh like people are given like percentages i think i heard that pfizer is like 80 something percent effective or 89 or 90 percent effective and then moderna is like lower and then johnson johnson is like lower but other than that i haven't like heard that much like difference you know it doesn't matter too much i mean okay i also heard that um if you're like immunocompromised like if you have like an immune disorder like johnson and johnson might be better because it's like less toll on your body but i'm not like too sure on like the credibility of that yeah yeah i i heard like even if like percentages of like the like efficacy are lower i mean they still like prevent death so either way it's still worth it to get any type of vaccine my question to you both was 
if you encountered someone that um, you know hasn't had access to this information or um, they haven't been in a program that can educate them like this, how would you go about talking to them about the vaccine um, and explaining the importance of these vaccines? I I feel like like the doubt of these vaccines are more of like like government trying to take over its population like it's definitely not that once you get it like it's like getting like a flu shot and it's not really bad at all um it's very quick anticlimactic and it's your day is like fine after that it's not life ruining like that it, it you know helps you your family, your friends, and other people around you as well. Thank you, Samuel. And Debra, did you want to add anything to that? Uh, so I, I try to listen to them, let them like say what they think they know, what, what they feel like they know, and then I'll try to like you know educate them in like a, a non not non harsh way because you know self preservation isn't a bad thing, you know, but misinformation is dangerous. So whatever like they hit me with, whatever facts they heard online and whatever they saw on social media, I'll try to like with the best of my knowledge, try to like inform them like, oh, the vaccine might, someone might've said this with the vaccine or someone might've had this experience with the vaccine, but you know, we're all different people. We're all different individuals. And for the majority, the vaccine is effective. You know, it works to help keep you safe. You know, they wouldn't give you something that's gonna harm you in the long run. Like, and you know, even if it's like 2% effective, that's still something, that's still like a defense against the, um, the virus. And a defense is what we need right now. You know, herd immunity is the goal, so. You know, if, if you're not doing it for yourself, do it for everyone else around you. Yes, I think that was um, definitely very poignant when you said self-preservation is important, but misinformation is deadly because this is, I think we've been in, we've been in quarantine for so long and being like so distant from everyone else. I think people kind of forget or get desensitized to the fact that so many people are dying and have died from this virus. Like I was, I was listening to a podcast the other day and someone was talking about how a very healthy man came into the ER and within a week he was dead because he couldn't breathe and he just couldn't keep trying to fight for breath, like literally just to breathe, um, you know? And so I think that's very poignant from you, Debira, that self-preservation is important misinformation is deadly and um i think you both of you and you know every other person out there every high school student every college student um i think we kind of have the agency to to go out and inform people about these things because um if we if we just depend on like professionals and white coats to get this information out um i think it's going to be super hard um and so um, I really appreciate you um, taking the time to talk about these things with the people that you have already. Um, and so I don't know if you've kept up with the, with the CDC's mask updates, um, like mask mandates, um, but have you heard that vaccinated people don't have to wear their masks in certain places anymore? Yes, I heard about that. Oh, I have multiple feelings about that. <laughs> A lot of feelings. <laughs> what are you, what are some of your feelings about that, Tabira? 
I don't know, I feel like it's so irresponsible because people lie. Like we can lie. You can lie without blinking. People lie all the time. So you can lie about being vaccinated. You can, you know, forge your <laughs> vaccination cards. Like and it's like they didn't even they didn't consider that factor. Like it's so frustrating because you know now people are gonna be like, oh the CDC said we don't have to wear masks, so leave me alone. Like but I'm trying to be safe. Like we're not, it's not in the clear. Like COVID isn't just gone. And I see people saying online, oh, COVID is gone, COVID is gone. It's not gone. It's very here. Like it's it's just annoying. It's it's frustrating. Like it's I feel like it's so irresponsible. I can understand the frustrating the frustration with masks, because masks are not like the most convenient thing. And with summer it's gonna get like very hot. So like a mask might not be the most like, yeah, but at the same time, you know, like ugh, yeah. And I definitely feel that the Samuel, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I thought that was like, um, like taking down like these um precautions probably like too prompt. Um, and like what uh like uh, like what the said, I is pretty like easy to like lie and like forge like your vaccination cards. Um, I'm still definitely gonna keep. Um, putting on my mask in public. Um, I I think I sort of, I'm trying to understand like why they would do that. I think it's just to really help incentivize the rest of the population who are still doubtful of getting the vaccine or who are, who still um, like just are, don't want to wear masks. So I think this is like a way to just incentivize them, but ultimately you could still like make up everything and get away with it and things like that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you when you talk about um, them just trying to incentivize that because I'm trying really hard to remember the state right now, but I know in one of the 50 states of America, if you get a vaccine, you automatically get entered for a statewide raffle to win, I think a million dollars. Um, where it's like, I think either the million is going to be split within six people or each of them get a million dollars. Um, but what do you think about that? Having to incentivize people to um, get vaccinated? Yeah, like smaller, like smaller uh, incentives. Like I heard of um, if you book like your first dose, there is like free, like free alcohol at uh, one of these um, uh vaccination centers um i think that is like a great way to like incentivize people it really it also um like levels out the atmosphere calms people down or it's really inviting to people who are still who like still don't want to like you know like don't want to get a vaccine or something like that definitely um i think that's a that's a very funny incentive to use like giving alcohol to people for getting the vaccine but you know, I feel like at this point, it's essentially, people are essentially just saying whatever works, you know? Um, Debir, did you want to interject on that? I, you, you took the words right out of my mouth, like whatever works, you know, like if like, if you're giving free alcohol and that gets people vaccinated, you know, like at least they're being safe, you know? I mean, but the, I think the CDC kind of took it too far, but yeah. Yeah, I think um, people in, I, I try to imagine what it's like being, like a director of the CDC or something where you have to make these decisions um, where it's like, okay, what, what amount of incentive is going to be good enough to make people go get their vaccines, but then it's not too much where it's like they're giving people a million dollars. 
um, to go get vaccinated. But essentially, um, I hope these things that they're trying to do work um, because I'm very tired of being in quarantine. Um, but most importantly, we're all just tired of just seeing people die. Like people are still dying from COVID, maybe not just in America, but all over the world. You know, um, I think, um, you know, we, we recently learned about how severe um, the cases of COVID are in India, um, you know, just, and I feel like that's definitely not just an isolated event where it's like, there's definitely other countries that are probably suffering just as much, um, but people just don't know about it yet. Um, so I think to anyone that's listening, please go get vaccinated so we can stop the spread of this virus um, and get back to normalcy. But um, thank you so much, both of you, for joining us. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining and listening to us today. Um, Samuel and Debira, I have really enjoyed talking to you today. Um, you're very, I think you're quite different people, but you've really helped me learn more about these, um, the views that people have about um, COVID-19 and the vaccine. Um, and I hope you continue being agents of this vaccine and, you know, educating as many people as you can on getting their vaccine. Well, thank you for having me. This was really a nice and different experience for me. Yeah, yeah. Same here. Um, out of the comfort zone, but it was very fun to do, actually. I would do this again. I'm glad to hear that. Um, Same. You know, we, this, this podcast episode was done um, to, to get a view of what high school students um, thought about COVID-19 and the vaccine so far because we have a series of events that we're doing this year um, to educate people about the vaccines and uh, you know expand high school student leadership um, and we actually have an event coming up um, on the 5th of june and it's called state of the pandemic what youth and their families need to know as covid vaccine eligibility expands um, and it's going to be done virtually from 11 a.m to 12 p.m where people can learn more about reintegrating to school, vaccinations for children, and you can bring questions that you have about COVID-19 to be answered in real time by two great medical professionals, Dr. Geraldine Luna and Dr. Melissa Simon, um, the second of which is a director for the Center for Health Equity Transformation at Northwestern University. Um, so once again, thank you so much, both of you, for coming and speaking with me this evening. Um, I hope you have a great rest of your day. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and authors and do not necessarily reflect or represent the views and opinions of the following entities. National Institutes of Health, the National Cancer Institute, Northwestern University, Northwestern Medicine, Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine, the Robert H. Lurie Comprehensive Cancer Center, the Institute of Public Health and Medicine, University of Illinois at Chicago, and Northeastern Illinois University. Skinny Trees is proudly produced and edited in the lab of Dr. Melissa Simon at Northwestern University. Dr. Simon is a member of the United States Preventative Services Task Force. USPSTF.
this podcast does not necessarily represent the views or policies of the USPSTF. Due to the social nature of this podcast, the content used might be copyrighted by another entity or person. This podcast claims no copyright to said content.